Okay, I think, I think most people are still uh, finishing breakfast, so we're going to have people trickling in, but, but we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, what we have in this first session, this is uh, mission prep, okay? So there's a lot of people who have a calling on your life to be, to be engaged in the mission that God's given us, and... And between that time where you receive that calling and God actually says go, that's prep time. That's time to, to, to prepare and to get ready for that thing that God is calling you to. And so what we are, 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 are setting up is we're setting up a panel. <clears throat> now, I only see one panel member here so far. That's, oh, we got two. So you guys come on up, and, and, and you can be our panel until the rest of the guys finish their cereal or whatever. Um, and then I'm going to need some guys to help me uh, with the microphone. Because what this is, is this is going to be a, a Q&A. It's going to be a question and answer panel. Um, so is there someone here from hospitality in here right now? Can somebody, uh, no, no one here from hospitality? Okay, I'm going to now recruit somebody. Here, here's ministry training. Okay, Connor, can you and Blake, Blake, you guys, can you guys run downstairs and, and, uh, and, and like flick the lights and, and tell Doug Otto to make a, an announcement that we're going to get started? Um, okay, so we're going to get started anyway. Are you guys, you guys game with that? <laughs> Is this one work for them, Tad? Okay, here we go. We can, we can get started now. Okay, now go ahead and, and so, so look up at the slide real quick. Here's what we're going to do, okay? Um, the focus is going to be the same thing this morning. Tomorrow morning and Saturday morning, the first session of our adult mission school is, is going to be mission prep. Now, we've divided it up into some different areas, some different areas where we can focus. And so the focus this morning is going to be on biblical instruction, biblical prep. Okay, so in terms of, of God's calling on your life. Maybe God's calling you to missions. Maybe God's calling you to church leadership or to be part of a church plant. What is it that you need to know about the Word of God? How does the Word of God and, and your instruction in it and, and the preparation that is available to you, what, what does that need to look like for you? The focus tomorrow is going to be on ministry prep. And then the focus on Saturday is going to be general life. Okay, so what about occupations? What about debt? What about relationships? What about all that sort of thing? As, as you get ready for the thing that God has called you to, how can you best prepare now? Because here's how it works. Hindsight is 2020. Foresight is like 2200. Right? So... The thought, the, the idea of, of a panel, an experienced panel. So if you're on the panel, come on up. So Alan, can you come on up? And Jeff, can you come on up? Um, the idea of a panel is that these guys 
are doing or have done what it is that God is, is putting on your heart to do. Now, that's harder than you think it's going to be. Does anyone know, like, life is harder than you thought it was going to be, right? So if you can know now what they know after having done what it is that you are wanting to do, if we can glean from them that we might prepare more appropriately, and that will help you not have to go through some of the things that maybe these guys honestly have had to go through. Does this make sense? That's the idea of this panel. They have information that you need having done what it is that you're wanting to do. And so here's the rules. Okay, um, we're going to try to keep your questions to one minute. Don't ask like a 30-minute question. That's not a question, okay? If, try to keep your questions to one minute. So think about it in advance what you want to ask. And then if, if our panel members could try to keep each answer to four minutes. That's four without a zero, just 4.0. And so that's hard, I know. But if, if we could do that, maybe we could touch on several different questions over the course of the morning. I'm going to be your moderator, and so my job is we'll try to keep it focused on, to, remember, today is, is, is Bible. Does doctrine matter? How so? What do you need to know about the Word of God if you're going to be a missionary? So in other words, let's try to keep it focused on, on the focus we have each morning, and I'll try to maybe bring us back to that if we wander too far. Tomorrow is going to be ministry prep, Saturday, general life. Um, Saturday is, is wide open. Whatever you want to ask about you know, is, is going to be available. So Paul Clark is, is not... Paul's not here yet. Well, I'm going to go ahead and introduce him in case he makes it. Um, can you get us another chair up there for, for Paul if he makes it? Paul's our conference speaker, missionary church planter in Colombia. We have Pastor Pilira Chabuana. You can wave. Uh, senior pastor of Mulanguzi Community Church in Zomba, Malawi. Director of the Passion Center for Pastors in which you train... Uh, hundreds of, of pastors in Malawi, and, uh, and um, Alan Shelby, senior pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. He's our BS pastor from Blue Springs, is what that is. Um, instructor at the Bible Institute, and just the godfather, Alan Shelby. Sam Miles, he's a senior pastor here at Midtown. Uh, Sam is the champion of LFBI and Mission Focus, and, uh, and we need to hear from him. Jeff Bartell, senior, you guys wave when I call him. Jeff Bartell, senior pastor of First Baptist Church in New Philly, Ohio. A previous missionary and church planter in Albania. So super tough field, and the churches that he planted are now planting churches. Praise the Lord. Brett Bartlett. Senior pastor of Wildwood Baptist Church in Lambertville, Michigan. Um, how many of you have had Brett as an instructor in LFBI? Yeah, so, so people, yeah, Brett's the one professor. It's, oh, man, it's, I got Bartlett. I don't know if, if I should celebrate or despair because uh, it's going to be good, but it's going to be hard. Um, Dan Renault. Dan, Dan is, our, is our previous college pastor here at Midtown and now senior pastor of Living Faith 
church in Lee Summit. He's going as a church planter out of uh, Midtown here. And so this is our panel. And then, and then the way this will work, if you have a question, and again, remember our focus is on mission prep. How do I get from where I am to where I want to be? And then and, and specifically in terms of, of Bible instruction, what matters and what doesn't, you raise your hand and then we'll have someone run the mic to you. And, um, and then Blake, I'm putting you to work this morning. And then uh, Connor, can you also run the mic? So, okay, okay. so. Oh, yeah, go ahead. While you're getting organized with your, your roving, roving mics, if you're a pastor or a missionary and you have not checked in yet at the connections counter in the lobby, please do that. We've got a gift for you. Um, and we want to know who you are. And so if you could do that even right now, that would really help us. And so if you're a, a, a visiting pastor or missionary and you've not checked in with us at the connection, Connections Counter, you're excused for just a couple minutes. Please go take care of that. That way we've got your, your name, your, your info. We know who you are and what you're doing. Thanks. Okay, if you have a question, go ahead and raise your hand. Questions, questions, no questions, none yet. Okay, we got a question right back here from Ohio. Um, what would you say is the balance, I mean, I'm in college right now, between focusing on school for professional degrees and careers and filtering in maybe LFBI or you know, D2, D1, whatever you call in, like into that. How do you prepare for potential missions in light of preparing for a different career path? So, yeah, who, who wants to answer that? That, uh, how did, okay, so Dan, you're, you're, you, you did both. You got your degree, you're a college professor, and you got through Shepherd's, and now you're going as a church planner, so maybe you could, you could Yeah, I kind of told myself that I was not going to answer one question <laughs> up here with all these guys, but, you know, being the college pastor here at Midtown, uh, one of the things that students would talk about a lot is that very question, you know, how do I create a balance? And I think uh, the easy answer is it's not Jesus and my career, you know, it's not God and, you know, my professional practice, it's, it's God, and then my professional practice or whatever it is, it has to fit into that. And so I would always instruct the, the students if there ever was that question, it's not, you know, my schooling and LFBI, it's, it's how, do I, how do I pursue after the Lord? And so I don't see it as a if then or and this kind of statement. Now, and you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. On, you know, because God can be using your education uh, for the mission, uh, but it's all the mission. It's, it's not that your schooling or your education is not the mission. Uh, the mission is everything. And so if you believe the Lord is using your education to, to place you into the mission in a specific way, well, that's the Lord's leading. But uh, I've never seen it as an if-then thing. You know, so. But at the same time, you've got to figure out uh, the, the right planning, the right the right stages. I'd talk to your pastor as well to see how that would, that would you know, help you move forward. But uh, I would never view my career, I would never view 
anything I'm doing as secondary or compartmentalized, uh, anything like that, because the moment you do that, uh, you begin to segment your life, you know, in a way to where uh, it's not going to uh, be completely given to the Lord. So I don't know if that helps or not. It's kind of a vague answer, but. Jeff? Let me, holy, hey, hey. Uh, let me just balance that, because I totally agree, but let me just balance that with this point. If you feel like you know that you want to serve the Lord vocationally, you want to be a pastor or missionary, and you want that to be your career path, but you're in college because you think you're supposed to or whatever. In other words, some people go into, they, they get a higher education a sec, higher secular education just to have a fallback plan. Like if this ministry thing doesn't work out, you know, I got this to go back on. And a lot of times our parents will tell us you ought to have that. But I do think there's something to be said for if you, if you know, and I totally agree with Dan that, listen, you can leverage everything in your life for the mission. But if you know that your path is vocational ministry, then I would say burn the ships and go after Christian education and don't worry about the fallback because our God is your fallback and, and you'll be okay with that. So depending on where you're at in your own heart and how you feel like the Lord's leading you, I just wanted to add that as a balancing point. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you don't know that you have a call, uh, but you want to be prepared in case God calls you. I would say you, you have to do Bible regardless whatever else you're doing. You have to do Bible. So what that means is, you know, some people view it like, well, I can't do both, so I'm going to drop out of this. No, don't drop out. Just take one class. Just one, do one thing all the time that keeps you in the book and, and prepares you. And then, you know, when you get a call, that may shift, and, and you put more emphasis in that area. All right. Does that answer your question? Okay. Raise your hand uh, with another question. I think a lot, it's kind of vague, isn't it? Like, well, what do you mean the Bible? <laughs> like we're talking, well, so already the question is taking advantage of the formal Bible instruction that I have available to me um, versus maybe trying to balance my, my other, my, my secular education with that. So, that. so that's exactly the kind of question. And, and so for people who are wondering is God calling me to, to something? How involved should I be in the formal Bible education process, which is available to me? Um, these guys can speak into that. So make sure you get those questions answered. I, I would just, there may be people here who aren't sure, maybe about the Bible Institute. Sam, can you just give us two minutes on LFBI or, or Alan or, or one of you guys? So for me, whenever I realized that I was a biblical illiterate, I was actually in engineering school, and I was a little over halfway through, and I realized that, uh, man, I got to learn the Bible for myself, and uh, I was working a lot of hours. I was, I'd already committed to the, the engineering degree, so I had a couple more semesters left, and so I just made a decision as soon as my 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 secular degree is completed, then I'm going to enroll in our Bible school and I'm going to learn the word of God for myself. 
in hindsight, had that been an option to take that one class, which is what I would suggest, if you're loaded up every semester, do something to keep you sharp, right? Do something to keep you growing. Do something to keep you always learning the Word of God. Okay, so the way that the, the, the Bible Institute is set up is you can take a full load. A full load would be anywhere from six to eight credit hours a semester. So for a full-time student, that's obviously nothing. LFBI is designed for people who are already going to college. You're already in the workforce. You've got a family. Pick a, a class. Let's say your plate is full. Pick a class that's one quarter long, right? Get an eight-week class. Do something that's going to keep you sharp. My wife is really busy. Um, her parents, their health is declining, and so that is taking a lot of time. She's very busy being my wife, praise the Lord. She's, she's, got a lot of, she's got a lot of plates that she's juggling. Well, she took, she took biblical counseling this semester. She didn't take all of the classes that were offered. The way LFBIs broke down is we do it in two-year cycles. So the first two years, we call that um, essentials. And the idea there is, is we want to ground people in the Word of God um, at, the, at the institute level. And so you're going to get four semesters of Bible survey. We're going to cover four key books of the Bible. We cover Genesis, we cover Acts, we cover Romans, and we cover, what's the other four? Matthew, the book of Matthew. Um, and then we cover a few, uh, a few um, uh, topical areas. Okay, so that's a two-year set of instruction. It repeats every two years moving forward. Um, everybody ought to... Everybody ought to take essentials. Everybody. Every member of every church, when you get through discipleship, you get through your D1, D2 uh, level training, plan on taking two years of Bible school so that you've got a basic handle on the Word of God for yourself. You know what the Bible's all about. Then there's two years that follow that called pastoral prep. Pastoral prep is to equip the leaders for ministry. And then we're in the process of developing another 60 hours of instruction. Breakfast was awesome. Another 60 hours of instruction. Right now, when you graduate from LFBI, you're going to get an associate's degree. Um, when the continuing ed uh, curriculum is developed and deployed, we'll be offering bachelor degrees. So the idea of continuing ed is don't stop, right? Never stop studying, never stop growing. As, as, as as ministers of the gospel, we ought to always be putting a, an edge on our blade, right? We ought to always be um, uh, laboring to be proficient, to be growing in our ability, our knowledge of the Word of God. So that's, the, that's it in a nutshell. And, and, uh, so can I, since I, okay, can I yield my four minutes and do this? Can I wreck your panel for a second yes, and turn the, turn the room around? Um, and because I am interested, since we have um, uh, Bruce O'Neill here, um, and so I'm, I'm curious if he would have any input, uh, Bruce and maybe to some degree even uh, Paula uh, A-Strike, uh, she's with Wycliffe, and so Bruce heads a missions organization. So I'm curious from their perspective, you know, and, and you know, don't feel like you have to answer this, uh, but at, when you deal with a broad number, large number of missionaries, is there anything that surprises you about what they do not know, biblically, uh, what you wish they did, um, 
um, you know, so either, either you or any of the guys with you or if, you know, Paula has anything to chime in with because she sees a number also, uh, what, what is there that you wish they knew that they didn't come away with? Or you know what, maybe, maybe everything's cool and, and, and running like it should, but you know, I'd like to yield my four minutes to find out if, if they have any input on that. Well, thank you, buddy. Um, I appreciate it. You know, to be quite honest, and I don't want to discourage anyone, we turn down more missionaries than we allow to come through manna. And it's sad to say that um, the numbers are staggering, the people we turn down. And the reason generally is just because they've come ill-prepared. They have not really put the time and effort into learning missions theology, missions common, what many missionaries, after being on the field, would feel like is common sense. But it, it, it comes with a lot of effort and a lot of work. And I cannot recommend enough that anyone that is thinking that God is calling them, directing them into, into missions, with few, few exceptions, should int be intense about going to the right schools, studying missions, missions theology, and missions practices. Just the common sense, what we now take as common sense, ways to raise your funding, how to start a church, how to work with nationals. Because if you don't, you end up going to the field and you pastor a church in a developing nation like an American. And I've seen so many churches fail that way. I was, when I first went to the field, I still carried a lot of my American traditions with me. And it, it took me about three years on the field to realize, and I had a great missions professors, many of them, but yet still even with that, I, I wanted to carry my culture into the country. And uh, once again, it took me a while to realize that's not gonna work here. So. Missions has to be critical in what they learn, and they've got to get a good biblical background, understand what they believe, so they're not switching back and forth once they get to the field. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Was there anything else, Paula? Okay, right there. There's yes. Woo. Here we go. The education part is very important, and I completely agree. I'm very grateful for Shepherd School and just the way that you guys taught us, but um, no but. Um, expository preaching was my favorite class. Um, I think I learned the most because the definition of it was you learn it, but then you filter it through your life, and that's how it becomes your preaching and your teaching, and I would just encourage you to definitely look at it that way if you never hear that definition again because the biggest thing I run into is the academic view of Bible. Like it all becomes this head knowledge, but they don't, a lot of people don't live it through their life. So it makes adapting to culture and getting out of your American Christian um, view of things very difficult and it burns people out. So definitely make sure it's not an academic, just academic. Make sure you're living it through your life and then giving it out somehow through service or teaching or whatever. Because um, that's hands down the biggest roadblock I see in missions is that it never makes it past your head. So. Yeah, thank you. LFBI is, is for ministry enablement. It's not for knowledge. You know, it's, it's not that, well, I've gone through directions or discipleship one, I've gone through D2, 
I guess this is the next step. It, it has nothing to do with that. In fact, if that is your motivation, uh, you're probably going to be woefully disappointed. Um, but what, what the goal is uh, for those who desire to minister, and, and not, not pastor, but simply serve the body of Christ and serve this world with the gospel, uh, that is what LFBI is for. And so... Of course, yeah. but I'm saying this is for everybody. This yeah. is for everybody, and so if if your education, whether it's your career or whether it's uh, LFBI, if it's getting in the way of ministry, there's probably a problem with that. Uh, but so so the education that that we are after is to help enable you in ministry. It's to prepare you to continue in ministry, not to take you from it. Because now I have to do all these things which are limiting my practice in the ministry. So let me, uh, let me ask this question to the panel in general. <clears throat> if you knew then, when, when you were sitting out there, what you know now, in terms of your biblical instruction, in terms of whatever sort of formal education you had in God's word, what would you prepare differently knowing now like, what, what could you say to them? How many of you feel like God has a calling on your life, the, the young people here, to be part? Okay, how many of you are involved in, in some level of formal Bible education, discipleship, or LFB? Real big. Raise your hands up big so we know who we're talking to. Perfect. Okay, so what, what, what would you do differently if you were in their shoes now, if, if uh, like maybe Brett? Well, um, <clears throat> I tell you, I hear all this, and, and, and it, all, it only indirectly applies, uh, maybe, to, to both questions, but <clears throat> I think there's a connection. And I think what I would have done is I would have tried to incorporate everything that I learned into personal evangelism. Um, <clears throat> the, the thing that I find when I'm in, in Hungary and in Romania is that many of the, of the wives... Um, are not as into it as the husband is. It's almost like the, the husband got called and the wife just happened to be married to the person who was called. And, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I would do as a married person is I would bring my wife along with me through every progression that I made in Bible knowledge, in ministry growth, and in, and in personal growth. And I would be intent to make, if I was going to go on the mission field, because a lot of the people that leave the mission field in Hungary leave because the wife actually says, well, you know, hey, this, is, this has been awful. Uh, so I'm going back to, you know, Texarkana, and you're welcome to join me. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's sort of the end of that. Uh, <clears throat> because, uh, because she really didn't get trained incrementally along with him, and, and they... And, and they didn't get involved in personal evangelism. I think that when you evangelize with your spouse, you grow in every aspect. And so the two things that I would do is bring my wife along and make sure that I did not outpace her. Uh, that's a huge mistake that I made. Um, and, uh, and the other mistake that I, I think I made is I didn't incorporate what I was learning into personal evangelism. Um, you know, my dad used to say, and you just have to know him to be able to stomach this, but 
uh, evangelistic unction makes orthodoxy function. Um, and so we're doing a series right now in, in, in 1 Corinthians. And what we're learning at Wildwood is just mind-boggling because the way Paul starts off the book of First Corinthians, yeah, the uh, the book of First Corinthians, is he spends four chapters on personal human relationships. In a sixteen-chapter book, he only gives one chapter to the, to, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gives four to personal human relationships, and he opens up with that. And the point that he's making is, is there is no aspect of the Christian life. All of the things that the book are that the, uh, the the Corinthian believers were getting wrong. Everything they were messing up came from not being able to build and maintain healthy human relationships. And so if you want to be, if you want to be preparing for ministry while you're studying and you want to be bringing your wife along and you want to bring all of that together, all that I'm learning with Christ, all that I'm learning in my personal growth, all that I'm doing in discipleship with my wife, coalescing everything that that I am gaining for ministry, if you can't find a way to apply that to personal human relationships and personal evangelism, then it really is being it really is being lost somehow. So so almost going back to our first question and Dan's answer and not segmenting our lives is is maybe don't let your academic progression get ahead of your practice maybe would be maybe uh, a summary of that. What else? Any other thoughts so far from our panel? And, I, you know, I'd say I don't know that it's a matter of don't let your, you know, academic get ahead of your practice. Uh, I think it's more of what is your viewpoint of what you're doing and what is your viewpoint of the Bible. So uh, a lot of pastors among our ilk in the past would mock academic training. Mostly that's because they didn't have any. Um, however, there, there's a difference. There's academics and then there's academics. I mean, we're all teachers, so, so we're into academics. However, there's a difference between being biblically rigorous and being academically rigorous from a skeptical viewpoint. So, so all of evangelical Christianity today is moving toward the skeptical viewpoint and calling it academic rigor. And that is a false definition. So, so it's not, I don't know that it's a matter of, well, let your, don't let your academics get ahead of your, you just need to view what you're doing in the Bible, be biblically rigorous from a believing standpoint, from, from the standpoint of understanding biblical authority, and be biblically rigorous with it. And, uh, you know, for me, as I look back in terms of, okay, what does that mean in a practical standpoint? And I went to, I, th- I think, what I think was a good school, taught me a lot, of, particularly about dispensational theology, and, you know, praise the Lord, I'm thankful to God for that. But in, in, you know, in many of the classes, my time would have been better spent sitting there listening to the professor, but taking my Bible, and I never, I never, bring, I never bring this out, but I brought it today. Uh, I have my iPad, but I brought this today because what I would have been better spent my time doing is taking my Bible and whatever passage he was talking about, 
looking up all the cross-references in the center column related to that passage and figure out what's going on versus what he says is going on. I'm just saying. That, that's biblical rigor. That's, that's making sure the academics don't get ahead because you, you, need, you need the Bible. Uh, stick with that. Um, you know, yeah. Add anything else in that helps you understand that, but make sure that that stays the central uh, focus. Yeah, one thing that, that the Bible Institute, LFBI, has is teaching our missions course is Jeff Bartell, uh, missionary to Albania, church planter, and pastor. So, so you're not being taught by someone who has head knowledge, but you're, you're, you're being taught by someone who's been there and done that, someone who understands culture, who understands missions from a very practical standpoint. You're being taught hermeneutics and homiletics from pastors preachers and teachers. And so, so what you're getting is, is very practical. It's very useful. And like Dan says, the focus isn't just on, on head knowledge, but it's on actually ministry enablement. And that, that is one, one blessing that, uh, I mean, that's just huge, you guys. That's so important that the, the teachers that are teaching are people that have, have been there and done that. So other questions? Maybe, maybe about where you're at or where you're trying to get to. Clarence has a question back there. We'll, we'll bring the mic to you so we can all hear. Okay, I'll be uh, 68 years old in March. Uh, and excuse the way I'm going to say this, but I spent a lot of years in churches that wasn't doing dually squat. And, and I felt like I just wasted a whole lot of years of my spiritual life and almost a year ago, uh, I, I came here to Midtown. It was actually this time when you do doing mission focus. And man, I love this church. Uh, and I want to do ministry. I'm in uh, directions now, and I, I'm then uh, D1. But I know I'm not going to school and take all those courses. I'll be 100 years old. I just want to serve. I love God. I just want to serve. Uh, and I feel like there's nothing for me in ministry. Uh, I just want to serve God. What is there? What can I do? Uh, anybody uh, want to answer Clarence there? Well, I, listen, I, I, I'm moved by that. And, and I, think that, I think that Sam basically answered that question uh, last night as he introduced the uh, service. I think that, <clears throat> and it has a lot to do with what Alan just said about preparing for ministry. Um, it has to do with your focus. So ministry is not something that we do um, necessarily. And in other words, we don't compartmentalize it. We're always ministering. You know, we are fulfilling the Great Commission everywhere we go because we're always going into the world because wherever you are, you're, you're in the world. Um, whether that's in Malawi or Kansas City or Detroit, Michigan. So as you go into the world, you make disciples wherever you can. And if you're making disciples of all men, wherever you are, then you're in ministry because that is ministry. And I think that uh, a lot of older uh, gentlemen 
older gentleman, older than I am, okay, uh, <clears throat> uh, I think a, a lot of people who grew up in churches like you may have come from, where churches weren't doing squat, uh, they either explicitly stated, or you understood ministry through their ministry flow as ministry is something you do at a certain place at a certain time, and it's dominated by a certain demographic, and therefore you feel like your station in life now precludes you from ministry. But it may very well be that you're still suffering under the false idea of ministry that you got from these churches that weren't doing squat. If you are engaged in D1 right now, you are in ministry just as much as anybody else. You're doing it right now. You're fulfilling ministry. And when you go out into the world and, and, and you display the life of God through your actions and the doctrine of Christ through your words wherever you go into the world, as you're doing that, be, be encouraged, seriously, because you are fulfilling ministry. And when you were reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you were put into the ministry and you were ordained by the blood of Christ at that moment to be a minister and you have all the rights and privileges and access of ministry as anybody who is in this panel, anybody in this congregation, or anybody anywhere on the planet. You are a king and a priest made so by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a minister of Jesus Christ. And be encouraged, brother, because you are fulfilling ministry. Uh, that and also God's always in the process even when he's not in the destination. So, you know, if the goal is a prescribed curriculum of study resulting in a degree, well, uh, you may be 100 years old and so that's not a realistic goal. So God may not be in the destination, but he's always in the process. So take classes. Take however many classes you can take, you know. Do discipleship. Then do D2. Then, then take LFBI class. Take, take whatever you want. Take, take a class. Take one at a time. Take, you know, whatever you can take because God's always in the process. And I think even a lot of pastors and missionaries who feel like they have a call and they start preparing discover, you know, they thought they were going to go this way. And it turned out God wasn't in the destination, but he was in the, he's always in the process. So they ended up over here instead of over there, but that was all right because providence works like that. And providence has eyes. It's not fatalistic. And so we know he's always in the process. So stay involved in the process. So, um, so you got to get Miller and Manser to get you through D1. Don't let them string you out for three years. Because, you know, you don't want to be 100 before you're discipling. So, so Clarence knows a lot of Bible. I mean, he's been, he's been in it for a lot of years. And been in, in church culture where it was just like you're describing our ministry is something that meets in this location, room, whatever, at this time on this day of the week. <clears throat> so you got to, by, by this fall, you got to be enrolled in LFBI because you got to take D2 uh, clearance because that's where you're going to get the, the biblical philosophy of discipleship and how to disciple. Because by this time next year, there is no reason, because I know Clarence, by this, just mark it down, by this time next year, Clarence 
um, he's going to have two or three people in the shoot that over that 2018 year, he's going to be discipling them. Okay, so how old? 68? So 68. Let's say he, 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 let's say he keeps it going, keeps it together. We've got 10 years to get a lifetime of following Christ, right? We've got 10 years to suck that out of clearance and to put that into young men and women. Um, yeah, you, so you, I, I'm with Alan. You got to take that, whatever that next class is, take, a, take at least that one class that's going to keep you growing and keep you sharp because the ministry needs you investing the word of God into the souls of men. And going back then to the other question, um, what would I do different? Yeah. Okay, so if I woke up tomorrow and I was 18, um, I, would, I know I would be foolish, but I would still do it anyway. I would propose to Cheryl Miles, <laughs> and I know she'd blow me off, or Cheryl Robertson, I know she'd blow me off for a few years, but I would just put in my bid right then and make it official. And I would let her know, just as soon as you get it together, I'm here. <laughs> but, that would work. I think so. And then number two, I wouldn't have worried about engineering school. Because here, here's the thing. We grow up in America, and the idea is, is okay, i got to make sure that, that I'm, I have the ability to build a life for myself. And the thing that I have learned is that there is only the kingdom of Christ. And whatsoever I do, it has to be to the glory of God. And how is it going to be to the, glory, to the glory of God if I'm functioning in, a, in, in biblical um, ignorance, if I'm biblically ignorant, biblically illiterate, how am I going to know that everything's going to fall out to the glory of God? And so, so for me, I would have been hot in pursuit of Bible school, right? I would have learned the philosophy of discipleship. I would have learned how to disciple. That would have been my first objective. And I would have gotten into Bible school and then if I need a degree to get something done in a particular field, I would have put that after me. That's just me saying, okay, that's what I would have done. And, and the reason why is, is because we've got just a few short years on this planet to make an impact for the kingdom of Christ. Uh, your life is but a vapor. You're here one minute and then you're gone the next. And before you know it, brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to be standing at the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to find out the whole time Jesus was looking for faithful men and women who would take that talent, take that deposit of the eternal life that he invested in you. And now he was expecting you this whole time to be a good steward and see that investment multiplied in every kingdom, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group. And we've got churches full of people that are, that are, that are making sure that they get out of this life everything that will meet their expectation and what ends up happening is by default, we, we end up trying to serve God with our leftovers instead of our life. And so, uh, I don't know who this is for, but, but for somebody, there's somebody in this room that you need to just rearrange the entire trajectory of your life and say, there is only the kingdom of Christ. He is first. I, 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 know, I know the thing that, that got my attention as a young man is we went to Romania on a mission trip, I'm staying with a family that had basically nothing, and they were one of the richer families in this neighborhood. And this kid coming up, he was finishing high school that year. He told me, he said, uh, Pastor Miles, I was, I was no pastor. I was a punk kid. Pastor Miles, <laughs> the fact that I was there, I guess. Pastor Miles, he says, I, 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 when I grow up, I want to be like you. I'm like, mm, you don't want to be like. He said, I'm going to go to Bible school. He says, God hasn't called me to the ministry, but I'm going to do it 
just in case he does. I don't know what happened to Daniel, but I promise you somewhere on this planet he is serving the Lord, making disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ. The other thing that I would have done is I would have started Bible studies. Get the Bible open with someone. Start a Bible study. Ministry is an open... If, don't, don't think that you're going to serve the Lord tomorrow once you get to your next chapter in your life. No. If you're not serving him today, there is no promise you'll be serving him tomorrow. Start a Bible study with someone. Yeah, and I would say that, that uh, when I went to shepherd school, which is, is like LFBI, LFBI is just better, but when, when I went through there, I did actually go to shepherd school first, and I got my, you know, degree in shepherd school first, and then I went to school, and I got my master's degree, which now has given me my job as a teacher, which is actually helping me to minister to college students in Lee Summit. And so, it, for me, it was never uh, this... You did it right. I'm just... Praise the Lord. Yeah, I have no regrets in my whole life. No, but I'm just saying, though, that I... It was the ministry, and I knew then when God was, was telling me uh, that he was, he was showing me that I was to be a teacher, it, it, was, it was a ministry then, so that's why I went to school then to be a teacher so I could use that, but yeah, it was Bible first, it, it was, you know, and it was Bible everything, and so, and so I got my degree, and so it, it doesn't mean that you have to drop out of school, I think, because some people are thinking like, oh, I guess then... Well, I, I'm an engineer in school, so forget it, right? Yeah, no, it, no. it doesn't have to be that way, although at the same time, it could be. It very well could be. It could be that God is saying, no, this is, this is not where I have you, and you have to listen to him. But, but it could be that he's saying, no, yeah, <laughs> let's, do, let's do those things for my glory. And so I know for my life, um, the way it's worked out is, is there are people here in this room because I teach art on a college campus, so... Anyway, that what it's worth. I know. Um, Palira, you're going to have to leave here to go teach the kids here shortly, but could we hear from you? you now, you're in, you do a lot of pastor training, so you're training pastors in Malawi. Mark has, has been a part of that in taking how many trips to, to Malawi? 19 trips to go and then teach in, in your pastor school. Um, one thing that I hear in, in the missions world a little bit is this sense that doctrine doesn't matter. So as long as you're willing, as long as you love God and love people, like I know they're sending agencies, they'll just send you. You don't even have to be baptized. You don't have to have led anyone to Christ ever. Like you, as long as you're willing, we're just going to trust God and then go on this great adventure. So does doctrine matter? How serious do our students need to be about coming to a biblical, un, an understanding of a biblical philosophy of, of ministry and in terms of a, of a theology, a systematic theology? Like, can you just speak to that a little bit? Or, or really, we want to hear from you. So whatever else is on your heart before you have to leave here in a few minutes. Okay, so um, I'll just say a few words. Uh, I didn't uh, speak on the first one because I think the first question, I think it was more addressed in the context of the Elf, L, FBI. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I've, uh, I've learned uh, 
over time is that um, if you, uh, I think it's a question of what is God's will when you're trying to figure out is it, should I drop this or should I do this? But one of the things that I've learned is that as you, uh, as you begin to uh, live, um, live out your life in the will of God, uh, search through the scriptures and see what is the will of God and you're living out your life in the will of God. I believe that whatever decision you, t you take or you make, it's within the will of God. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say, if you're living in the will of God, do what you know. Um, when we come to the book of uh, Second Peter, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, um, Port, I mean, Apostle Peter talks about the seven things that we need to add to our faith. And uh, when we come to faith, the number one thing that we need to add to our faith is virtue. And virtue is do what you know. When you come to faith, there are some things or certain things that, uh, that, uh, that you just know. And so if you're within the will of God, do what you know. Before you actually begin to add knowledge, do whatever you know. Because if you add knowledge and you're not doing what you know, there's a growing disconnect between the things that you know and the things that you actually do. So I'd say go on and do what you know. And um, about the, about the, uh, the uh, whether doctrine matters, Yes, I think doctrine matters. Uh, if, it's, if it didn't matter, I don't think Paul would, in all these epistles, take the first half of every book right. and begins to articulate doctrine, and then the, the, the other half talk about practice. It does matter. You can't practice, you can't live out your Christian life without knowing what you believe. And so I'd say doctrine really matters. In the field uh, where we are, I was going to share with you uh, when I have the time, uh, but there are so many things that is happening in the name of Christianity. Uh, crazy things, uh, crazy things that are not even biblical. There are lots of things, for example, things like um, spiritual wives, spiritual husbands. I don't know if you have heard this, uh, but if someone is having marital problems, um, some hyper-charismatic, they'll say, you may have a spiritual wife, that's why you're having these problems in your life. And so come over, you need deliverance. And so they lay hands on, on that person and begin to shout on top of their voice, out, out, out. And man, this is spreading like a bushfire in Africa. And it's, we can't find anything like that in the scriptures. And so if you go into the field and you do not know what you believe, then you're susceptible to false doctrine. Anyone else, Brett? Yeah. Well, I just, it's, it's weird that he said that because when I went to Malawi, he, he actually did that to, to, to me. <laughs> I'm like, he must have changed his doctrine recently or something. No, <laughs> no, it didn't work. Okay, so very briefly, if I can add just a, a little bit onto that too, the, the idea is that 
far too frequently. And so whether it was Bruce or Palira or whoever, some of us that have had real experience in foreign countries, we see far too frequently that representatives from the Western world show up as missionaries without being prepared. And it causes a lot of trouble. And, and maybe most dramatically, and let me just throw this out, I'll kind of just cut it real short, but people who come from a Baptistic, fundamental, conservative, theological background, if they're not truly grounded themselves because they know what the Bible says and have done the education, because that kind of is the theme here, mm -hmm. what happens is you get away from your home church environment where you have multiplied hundreds of people that are like-minded and agree with you. And you have been, in some level, in these wonderful churches we enjoy, you have been uh, insulated from uh, the real challenges of a world of people that believe some crazy stuff. And now you may be the sole representative of a solid, conservative, theological, biblical doctrine and find that you're not now surrounded by all the other people that agree with you and you meet some sharp cat who has a good way of presenting his false doctrine and you get sucked into it and you see it over and over and over again. And if for some crazy reason you're thinking, well, you know, once I get that job title and somebody else is paying my salary, then I'll have all the time in the world to study and figure it out. You're wrong because you're going to have a million things to do with the weight of the world on your shoulders, feeling as though, maybe unrightly, that it's my job to save the world in my corner of it. And so in the midst of all these things, you find that if you haven't prepared yourself soundly, theologically ahead of time, it's a lifelong process of learning for sure, but you have to have the fundamentals of what the Bible teaches such that you feel comfortable if somebody just flipped it open anywhere, you could find your place. If you can't do that before you go, then, then you are dangerously prepared to cause, to cause a lot of damage in, in the world of ministry. Does that make sense? I, I think that really kind of hits the nail on the head. Now is the time for you guys to get what you need because Jeff's right. There's no time. <laughs> Once you're actually in ministry, man, you're, you're, you're up late. You're up early. There's counseling. There's, pre there's all this stuff. And, and, and I found the same thing. You know, I do not, I, I had that kind of mentality a little bit. Like I can't wait till I have more. You're never going to have more time than you have right now. Um, and, and I guess maybe we, maybe we should talk about how seriously are you taking LFBI or whatever sort of Bible instruction you have to you. I don't know. Er, Eric has a question, but, but Alan, maybe you could touch on that. While Say something just to that for a quick second, because I think, you know, some of these guys are, you know, they're very, uh, they're, they're too humble. Uh, for who they are, because these are the superheroes here. So like, you know, Sam and Brett and Jeff, they're the huge locomotives. I'm, and I'm just the push cart comes behind. But, but these guys are superheroes. And the reason why, you know, if you're considering, um, you know, in terms of an academic track, LFBI, why should you consider that over something else? And, or why is it that we don't just send people to someplace else 
right? Why not send them to Midwestern? I mean, that's, they're, they're more socially conservative than some fundamentalists are today. Uh, why not send them to here? Why not send them to there? And I would say the answer is because, and here's the thing that makes LFBI really unique, is that in every other school, what has crept in, regardless whether it's broadly evangelical or independent Baptist fundamental, is the idea that the Bible is not the authority, only God is the authority. And that sounds spiritual on the surface. Only God's the authority. So they take away biblical authority. Now, within your neighborhood, okay, so of the evangelical churches surrounding this one, that's exactly what the young people, college-age people are taught. That is exactly what they're taught. The Bible is not the authority. Only God is the authority. So they take away the supernatural nature of the Bible. That's why Andy Stanley, over this last Christmas, is able to deny, I say deny, he's, I don't think he's this, that smart, but the serpent is subtle enough not to use that word. So he didn't use that word, but I would say, in effect, he denies the virgin birth of Christ. So take away the supernatural nature of Christ, because he's already taken away the supernatural nature of the Bible. So it's just an easy thing to do, and, and yet claim, well, you know, I'm sticking with the resurrection, that's the important thing. Well, whatever, because the resurrection doesn't mean anything if Christ wasn't a divine individual dying for our sins. So, but whatever, okay, whatever. So they're able to do that, and, and, and so they've lost the supernatural nature of the Bible, and a skeptical viewpoint. So here's what they do. So, so one of the churches that some of us have come out of is having... This starting in this month, I think, a class you can take at their church on Bible study and hermeneutics and, and how to, you know, get something out of the Bible. And they're going to teach you what the original author meant and what the original hearers heard. So if you take away the authority of the Word of God, if you mistakenly deny that the Bible carries God authority... There's not this dichotomy like, well, God's the authority, the Bible isn't. No, the Bible is a supernatural book, so it carries God authority. If you deny that, then the highest level of understanding you can come to is what the original author intended and the original hearers heard. And in the words of you know, one of our esteemed scholarly, biblically scholarly brothers in the house today, that does not mean doodly squat. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't know that background. I'm not saying totally, totally ignore what the, you know, the author meant or the hearers heard or whatever. But if that's the highest understanding I can give you about the Word of God, I've taken away from you your ability to know what the Bible's saying to you. Hello, somebody. So, so doctrine, you need that because that tells you, that helps you identify what, what, you know, what Andy Brilliant Stanley is doing but also, you need to keep a, just keep a notebook of promises. And as you read through the Bible, say, huh, that's speaking to me. That's a promise I can claim. I'm going to write that down. So, so you need doctrine and you need devotion. I would put it that way. Make sure your devotional life is as strong as your doctrine and you do well. But that is what makes LFBI unique. Uh, compared to other places you can consider an academic route regarding biblical instruction. And I know, I know for me, like even though I, I went through education uh, back in the 90s, 
uh, I finished in 2001, I'm taking classes again, right, because it's been good. And so I would say, well, I'm a pastor, or I, I went through my education 20 years ago. I would really encourage you to consider the opportunity that's right in front of you uh, because it's sharpening, uh, it's encouraging, and it applies to ministry. And so I don't know how much that might apply, but it, it's because of doctrine. And, and I know as I'm actually going out and that we are going out uh, into Lee Summit, man, I want to I take advantage of everything that we have uh, here in this fellowship of churches. And so uh, I can't take every class, right? I, but I'm, the classes, man, I'm in, right? I'm, and so anyway, I would encourage you guys, maybe you've already gone through your Christian education. That's why we have the continuing education classes that we're, that we're beginning. And so uh, just consider that as well uh, in the light of doctrine mattering. Eric uh, had a question. <clears throat> All right, it's on now. Okay, um, I'm thinking about everything that I'm hearing from the standpoint of some of the really young guys um, and something that's popping into my head that I just want you all to kind of respond to are all those young guys, or young people, not necessarily just young guys, but, uh, but young guys in particular because of the concern for I wanna follow the Lord and I wanna get Bible training but I also want to be able to be a provider for a family. I want to get married and, 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 and do that. And so what does that look like? And the reason I say that, I'll give you the, some background. Uh, you know, I can remember speaking to a particular person, and it was obvious that this person's career um, was, was getting in the way. And, it was, and so my counsel was, yeah, you need to... Uh, uh, put the brakes on that and just focus on, 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 on knowing the Bible and, and, and that was appropriate for him. But then I've seen some other situations where it's kind of like, you're kind of using the, the, the ministry as an excuse to not have to deal with the fact that you need to be a provider. And, and so what does that look like for some of the younger guys? Okay, so, so let's, let's take another run at this. The way LFBI is set up, it's both an in-class school and it's online. Okay, so online, we want people to be in viewing groups. In other words, let me just say this. Students who are in class do better. Whether you're in a viewing group or whether you're proactively engaged online with other, uh, you know, um, with other people online, the more, the more you can make LFBI live, um, Versus you've got your, 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 your you're going to catch up your class later in the week and you get the instructor, you've got Brett, he's a talking head in a window over here, but, but over here you're, you're still working through whatever season of Netflix you're binge watching. You're not going to do very well learning the Bible. Does that make sense? In other words, so it's set up so that um, somebody can provide for their family or if you're already engaged in pursuing a degree, right? You're, you're getting equipped for whatever it is that you're gonna do to provide for yourself in life. LFBI is set up so that people can take Bible training part-time, right? We don't offer LFBI as a full-time option right now. Okay, so with that, what you wanna do is you wanna say, again, I'm just taking another run at this, 
whatever I'm going to do in life, I'm going to make sure that I'm not serving the Lord with my leftovers. I want to serve him with my life. So whatever I do, I want to do it to the glory of God. I can't do all to the glory of God if I don't know the word of God. And so what I'm going to do is with all my getting, I'm going to get a Bible training. I'm going to get a Bible education. I'm going to get a handle on the word of God. You have to, everybody should go to Bible school. At least get essentials under your belt. Okay, you're going to get a philosophy of ministry, but you're also going to get, you're going to get doctrinal training that's going to keep you from falling for every wind of doctrine that's out there. And so in terms of priorities then, if, so in other words, if I'm not going to part-time this thing, if I'm not going to serve God with my leftovers, then how do I take everything in my life and roll that into my ministry? Okay, again, had I had it to do over, I, the, 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 the secular school that I was in, I would have been starting Bible studies in my secular school. In other words, if I'm here to get, a, if I'm here to get an electronics engineering degree, I'm also going to trust the Lord to get some disciples as well. I want fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm married. Okay, I want to make sure that my marriage is bringing fruit. It's bringing glory at the judgment seat of Christ. And so my wife's going to go to Bible school with me. Uh, in other words, a lot of people have the mindset in terms of, of Christian priority. You'll, you'll hear them say it like this. Well, you know, you've got you to have your priorities straight. It's God first, right? Family second church third, and then the lost world. Have you, have you ever heard that? And so people will prioritize their responsibilities in some paradigm like that. Well, there's only one priority, and it's God, right? And so I need to take my family and bring them into my worship and my service of the Lord, right? And in terms of the local church, well, we're going to, together, we're going to keep our one priority, and we're going to worship and learn of, and we're going to follow the living God, and, and in terms of the lost world, in other words, there's only one priority. I just need to have some biblical wisdom to say everything that I have in my life, I'm going to bring them along. I'm going to bring them into that priority of the Lord. Does that make sense? So for this young man, if you can only take one class in Bible school, take one class, but take it well. We've got a lot of people who do not count the cost. They'll, they'll sign up for LFBI, and they're all about it the first four or five weeks, and then the homework starts coming due. And that's, that, I mean, that's just what separates the students from the posers, homework. <laughs> um, count the cost. If you can't take all six or all eight credit hours, take one class and then have a mind to finish what you started. Have a mind to show up, be in class, pay attention to the syllabus. Take one class, take it well, and if it takes you 20 years to get through Bible school, praise the Lord. It took you 20 years. I promise you, if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll take every class with all of your taking, with all of your being, with all of your mind, you're gonna get trained, you're gonna get equipped, you're gonna stay sharp in the word. And I don't know, I, I know, I mean, I've, 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 I've laid hands on people that haven't gotten a Bible degree, right? In other words, nothing's gonna... Whatever God calls you to a ministry, the fact that you have or have not finished Bible school doesn't have to be a hindrance to that. Does that make sense? Uh, just plug in, take that class, take it well. No. And, and I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't want to sound like a, a jerk. That does, normally doesn't prevent me from sounding like a jerk. My <laughs> desire to not sound like a jerk. And I, and, and I, and 
I don't believe that you meant the question in this way, but some people may have heard it this way. One of the things I deal with as a professor, and Kale's going to think I'm directing this at him, and I, and I truly am not. Kale and I have a good. Kale, just. <laughs> hey, I got the mic. You shut up. All right now. All right now. Uh, I I think somebody needs to in this day advocate for not being so reasonable all the time. There's a lot of pressure to sound reasonable when you're describing workloads and what people have to do. So it's one thing if somebody's saying, I haven't been called yet, but I want to prepare in the eventuality that God calls me. Well, bless God, take your class at a time, you know, inch along, and maybe the, maybe the tortoise will, you know, beat the hare somehow. It's a cute story. It never happens in real life. By the way, the hare always wins. Always. Okay, but, but, but listen, once you acknowledge God has called you to ministry, and now you're talking about how to fit in one class into your life, can I just be so bold as to say that you have a poor view of God, or at least that needs to be considered? And I don't know how that falls on your millennial ears, but bear with me for a second. What happened to risking it all on one turn of pitch and toss? For the cause of the kingdom. What happened, to, what happened to, to, to fishing nets being left at the water's edge? Straightway, what happened to that? What, what happened to that kind of talk? What, what happened to reckoning your life as being over? God has called you to ministry. So if you're going to start from the perspective of God called me to ministry, then here's what it all comes down to, friend. It all comes down to identity. Because if you identify yourself as a doctor who is a Christian, if you identify yourself as a pastor who is a Christian, or a janitor who is a Christian, or anything else in the world who is a Christian... Listen, you're not going to amount to a hill of frostbitten beans anyway. And that's just the cold truth of the matter. You are a Christian who is a pastor. You are a Christian who is a doctor. You are a Christian who is a janitor. And if you identify yourself from your position in Christ and then being set aside for the vocational ministry and the call then if that is not the primary thing in your life, and then you're trying to fit everything else into that, well, friend, I got news for you. Either you or your wife is going to want to be moving back to Texarkana in six months anyway because you don't have the right stuff. All right, let's do one, I, one just minute. Just piggyback one, yeah. one thing off of that. Um, 
as a practical application of what, what Brett said, you know, if somebody asks you that question, you know, I have a family and I've got to provide for them, then I think um, you would do well to challenge them and we should challenge them um, and they should challenge themselves because the Holy Spirit is challenging them to answer, well, what is it that you have to provide? So describe for me what you have to provide for your family. And I say that because in my mind I'm thinking of, okay, here's a family. Here's a young couple with no kids. Here's a young couple with preschool kids. Here's a young couple with junior high kids. And let's say the young couple with junior high kids thinks that they have to provide their kids a semi-pro level of sports involvement that takes them out of church on Sunday a good part of the time. I, and I understand the flow of culture is going this way, but I think you need to challenge yourself to, to answer, do I need to provide that? So, so if the reason they're bringing it up is because they're trying to provide those type of things, then uh, they need to realistically answer that question, what do I need to provide my family? Because I don't think it's ever gonna be in conflict with what God wants them to do in other areas. All right, we're out of time. The focus for this session was biblical instruction. Yes, it matters, and if you can get it, oh my goodness, with all you're getting, get it, okay? Whatever is available for you, you need to be moving forward in that. Tomorrow, ministry prep. How do you get the experience you need to have what you, what you need when you get to the field? And then Saturday, general life prep. We're going to dismiss now. We're going to meet back here in 10 minutes. Uh, no. Could, go ahead and hand the mic to Bo and uh, Tony. Bo, oh, okay. real quick, just give us a one-minute introduction, what's going on in your church, and how we can pray for you. Same thing, Tony, and then we're going to dismiss with prayer. All right? Bo Green, Maple City Baptist Church, Monmouth, Illinois, and uh, good to be here. In a nutshell, we asked for prayer, I think it was last year, about getting a new building, a new facility, because uh, we were out of space, which is a great problem to have. And uh, since then, we moved to the south side of town. And to say that kind of sounds funny, but it's, it's the reality. And, and since then, we've seen so much, such a great harvest of uh, crazy salvations taking place. And we're just, I love the message last night on just the simplicity of the matter. Just obey the Lord and do it with your all. And uh, that's what we're doing. The field's being plowed. Um, we're learning along the way, but um, I would say, if anything, the biggest prayer request that I would have today for us is we need more disciplers because we have a lot of these new salvations, which is a great problem, but there's a lot of baggage, as we all have. We all have different kinds of baggage, but um, so in a nutshell, God got us a new facility. Um, super awesome. Some of you guys have seen uh, where we're at, what he's doing. Our children's ministry is huge, and that's really the main reason for the move. But um, we're seeing a harvest of souls saved, and we're just all about, we, we need to train them. We need to reproduce, make disciples who are going to make disciples. So uh, biggest prayer request for us, besides college ministry, is uh, we need more disciplers so we can train these new converts. Tony Godfrey, Harvest Baptist Church, Iola, Kansas. Um, I agree with Bo. Um, we are still waiting for the new facility. <laughs> so pray for a free one. 
because we broke. Um, but not only that, we definitely need more disciplers. We need to see spiritual growth. We're experiencing numerical growth, which is great. Um, but we've we got to move to two services. Pray for that. That's a logistical nightmare. You guys know all about it here. Um, and so I'm terrified to do that, but I need to be, we need to be obedient, right? And just uh, choose to follow the Lord and not our schedules. And uh, so be praying for that for us, please. Chris, you're going to lead us in prayer uh, for these two pastors and those two ministries. Real quick, okay, so I, all, the, all the visiting pastors particularly, we're going we're gonna to meet with Mana Worldwide for lunch at Zarda. Gates. Um, oh, yeah, what, what in the world? Yeah, Gates. Gates on the plaza. Gates on Paseo. Um, so that'll be after our, our mission school this morning. Uh, visiting missionaries, what we're recommending to you is that you stay and you start schmoozing. No, wait, that's the wrong word. You stay and you, you start building relationships with the members of our churches because I know for us at Midtown, we want our church members, we want our church family to know you and to feel like that, that man, you're our missionary, that we've got a relationship with you. And so uh, you're welcome to attend with us at MANA, uh, the MANA luncheon right after mission school today, but, but there's going to be a nice meal downstairs. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, some of the missionaries that we knew that you were going to be here, we knew that you're coming, we've actually reserved a room for you so that your peeps can get a hold of you so that you can have time visiting together over, over some food. Does that make sense? Um, but, uh, but, but I, I want to make sure the missionaries don't feel like we're excluding you from the manna luncheon today. Does that make, so we need to count. Visiting pastors, uh, any missionaries like, no, nah, I think I need to be a part of the manna thing. Um, uh, we're going to find out about manna worldwide. We're going to find out about what uh, God's doing with David Shelby, sending David Shelby to Hungary, um, uh, his partnership with them and his partnership with Brett and the work he's been doing in Hungary. So this is going to be a good informational meeting for us uh, today at lunch. So pastors, we got to get a count. Um, pastors, go.